if we would confess it and admit it, many here, or most here, feel the same way about themselves. That what the world sees first is the brokenness. What the world sees first, what leaves the first impression, is something that we've been diligently trying to hide. I believe each person here carries scars. And the question is, will we ever dance? That's the first question. Some of us have never danced in our life. Some of us, even though we're saved, have never found that place of freedom where we could dance before the Lord. But the big question this morning is, will you ever dance again? Has life gotten so heavy, the problem so severe, the challenge is so great, that we can't even imagine dancing again? That we can't imagine being free again? Before I make many other comments about this, I want us to turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to read a whole lot of this. The beginning of Luke chapter 19, verse 1, begins to tell us the story of Zacchaeus. We know it well because we sang about it most of our lives. We know he was a man of short stature. We know that because Jesus was coming by, he climbed up into a tree. And when Jesus saw him, they had this encounter. In verse 7, these are the people standing around said, and when they saw it, when they saw Jesus in this encounter, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. What was the scar that Zacchaeus carried? What was it that people saw first when they saw Zacchaeus? Probably for him, deserved. Probably for him, justified in their minds. But they saw him as a sinner. They saw him as a thief. They saw him as a cheater. And that is exactly how the world perceives Zacchaeus. But in verse 6, we back up one verse. And Jesus said, and he made haste, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. I want to tell you this morning, whether you ever dance again or not, is not going to be based on the size of your scars. It's not going to be based on the size of your pain, the size of your fear, the size of your uncertainty. Whether you ever dance again will never be based on those things because you couldn't have been probably a greater villain than Zacchaeus was. He was a thief and he was a cheat. But the moment that he had an encounter with Jesus, Jesus offered him something. And Zacchaeus was bold enough to say yes. Zacchaeus was bold enough to when Jesus offered something different, that Zacchaeus could say yes, he could come down out of the tree and he could receive Jesus joyfully. What made the difference for Zacchaeus? He could have stayed in the tree. The gift could have been offered and he could have said, no thanks, I'm not interested. I believe I'll just stay where I am. The difference about Zacchaeus, giving the money back, doubling the things that he had taken... All of the things that we began to see in Zacchaeus' life immediately as the result of this encounter was Zacchaeus dancing again. Zacchaeus was free. He was joyful again. His life had been drastically transformed in that moment. Go with me now to John chapter 8. 
Again, in, in verse 1, this is the story of a woman being caught in adultery. In verse 4, the Pharisees who had brought her to Jesus, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. What were the scars that she carried? What was the identity that she had? How did everyone know her? And I really wonder what she believed would ever be the opportunity for her life to be different. I wonder if she ever woke hoping or even believing again that her life could be different. And I wonder about so many in this sanctuary, if you wake up at the place where you don't even wonder anymore, you don't even suppose anymore that my life could be different. Because one of the most deadly tricks of Satan is to make you believe that your situation and your circumstances cannot be changed. It's permanent, and it's always going to be. That's just the way it is. Satan's a master at speaking hopelessness into into our situation and making us believe that our situation cannot be altered. I guarantee you this woman never imagined being able to dance again. We go a little bit further down into that story in verse 12. We know the story as it's unfolded and Jesus said, let the man who can come and throw the first stone at her do it and, and they can't, they all walk away because they all had sin. But in verse 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This comes right on the heels of verse 11, where Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. And he turns to those Pharisees that had walked away and says, the difference in her and in you is both of you carry scars. Both of you carry a past. Both of you carry a history. But she is different from you because she is willing. When I offered her grace, when I offered her freedom, when I offered her the release, she said yes, and you refused. The difference is not whether we have scars because we all have them. The difference isn't whether or not we've experienced broken relationships because we have. The difference isn't whether or not we have been hurt because each one of us has been hurt in some form or fashion. That's not the question. The question is in this morning, sitting here in this sanctuary, a God who loves you is offering you a gift of freedom And we strangely tell him, I'm not interested. Instead of as this woman has done, as Zacchaeus has done, saying yes. In every story, in every situation that Jesus faced, the crowd of people always saw the scars, always saw the brokenness, always saw the struggle. In every situation that Jesus faced, the people around him, even the disciples would look at the situation and see the brokenness, or see the lack, or see the uncertainty. And there was no exception. I want us to look at one more in John chapter 4. We know this is the woman at the well who came and met Jesus at Jacob's well. In verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, 
which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now we may not see that as a scar, but what is this woman confessing? She said, because of the color of my skin, because of my race, because of the difference that you see in me, I'm not supposed to even talk to you because I have been branded as something less than you. I carry a history, I carry a reputation that I did not make in the fact that I'm a Samaritan. It's strange that you would ask me. She has already in this scripture identified that she is carrying scars simply because of the race in the country that she belonged. And Jesus begins to tell her, if you knew who you were dealing with, if you knew who was here in front of you, if you understood that I could give you living water so that you would never have to drink again, immediately. And then isn't it strange for her to hear something so radically different, so strangely different, that Jesus would sit there and in a few moments say, if you knew who you were dealing with, if you knew who I was, I can give you living water and you'll never have to drink again. And immediately, in verse 15, she says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. At this point, she didn't understand. Her comprehension wasn't good. But what Jesus found in her immediately was somebody who was willing to receive what he was offering. I wish we had some way of gauging in in the auditorium this morning the degree of willingness for people to receive what God is offering this morning because I know within my heart most people who come in with pain and scars this morning are going to leave with them. I know that to be true. I mean, I'm not foolish. We see it week after week, and it's odd to me. But here's this woman, and she's immediately, though she knows her past, She knows her reputation. She knows her current situation. When Jesus offered her something, she said yes. Verse 25, that same story. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto you am he. In verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? What had happened to her in these few minutes? She had been transformed from this woman who had been scorned and was coming to the well at a different time because of her reputation, because other women wouldn't come with her. So she came at an odd hour so that she could come alone. And now she's back in, into the city and she's communicating through a testimony that is powerful, that I have met the Messiah. This must be the Christ, because somewhere in those few minutes, somewhere in that hour or hour and a half that this unfolded, this woman was transformed from someone who did not believe to receiving the gift that Jesus offered and said, I'll give you living water. She took it, and immediately there was a testimony of the difference that had been made in her life, just as there was in Zacchaeus, just as there was in the woman who was caught in adultery. An immediate difference. Because God found in them a yes. When he offered them something, they said yes. I love the testimony. Because most of us would have sit there and said, he hasn't removed the scars from her face. If that had been her objective, if that had been her goal, she would have been still sitting extremely disappointed because the one thing that she wanted, God had not done. 
But her testimony was most people see the scars, but they don't understand the healing that's behind it. God may not remove, as he did with Paul, what you won't remove the most. But that does not for a minute change the fact that he's offering you a gift this morning that will set you free and dance again, even if the scars are still evident on your face. The scars no longer defined her. The dancing in her feet did. He offered her something, and she said yes. Again, in every situation, Jesus faced there was pain. But in every situation, there was acceptance that brought radical change. Matt Hooper, the guy that we see at the end, says we live in the gap between the promise that God has made and the realization of that promise. And sadly, because there is a gap, Sadly, because the promise that God made has now been five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or 30 years ago. Because there's a gap between the promise and the realization of it. Most of us have even dismissed the possibility that what God's promised us will ever come true. You can sit with Donna Edwards anytime you like and she'll tell you a testimony of a moment in, in church at three-way when God gave her the revelation that she was going to be healed. That revelation was, was about 30 years ago, but if you sit down and talk to her about it, she's going to tell you about it like it was yesterday. Because her hope of that healing has never been diminished. How God will bring it, when God will bring it, is not the important thing to her because in all of the space... If you believe for a second that Donna Edwards, from the time he promised it to today, has done anything but praise him, sit down with her for a while and listen to her talk, listen to her sing, listen to her share, let her talk about her life, let her talk about the people who've come to live with them and the great transformation that they've seen in people around them. Because she understood something. Between the promise and the realization of it, I'm going to praise him. Did you hear what Matt Hooper said that is our reasonable response to a God who loves us, to a God who has saved us, to a God who by his grace loved us, sent Jesus to die for us. It is our reasonable response to him in the gap between the promise he's made us and the realization of that promise for us to sit in praise and watch him heal. She said it was so much easier now to believe that the scars would be healed from her face. Because she had seen God in his hand and his heart. And it was so much easier for hope to be there now. Because she had encountered God. She was desperate for a miracle. So was Zacchaeus. He might not have known it. So was the woman who was caught in adultery. So was the woman at the well. How do I know they were desperate? Because that's where the yes comes from. The yes to God comes because I don't have another hope. I have nowhere else to turn. There is no other answer for me. And one of the reasons why so many people leave out of here with the same hurt, the same scars, the same brokenness is because they believe I've got another option. When you finally come to the reality that God is it, then the yes will rise. The gift that is offered you'll take 
The healing will come. Maybe not like you expected. The healing will come and you will dance again. I'm going to use John again and he never minds. If you ask John today, is he healed? His answer will be yes. Because he already agrees with the mind of Christ. Don't believe for a second that this chair keeps John from dancing. That voice, that strength, that character, that witness, he dances every day. The chair does not define him. He's defined by the size of God in his heart and the dance that's in his feet. Because John found the yes. A long time ago, he found the yes. What his circumstance was would never be big enough to define him compared to the God that he loved. 